right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And tomorrow, Chris Jericho's rock and wrestling rager at sea. The triple whammy set sail. All the trials and tribulations will probably make for a great Talk is Jericho at some point in time. But if you want to check out what you'll be missing, just go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Don't worry. I can tell you they will uh, most likely be at Chris Jericho Cruise Part 4. Stay tuned for more information. And stay tuned for Fozzie heading to Europe starting November 29th in Liverpool at the world-famous Cavern Club. We are sold out in Manchester, Glasgow, Swansea, Nottingham, Chester. Uh, there's only a few tickets left for Dublin, Ireland on December 4th. I know that no- um, London is almost sold out on December uh, 12th. That was December 4th for Dublin, December 12th for London. So uh, check out the rest of the gigs for Newcastle, Belfast, Birmingham, Bournemouth. Those tickets are still available, but they're getting fewer and far between. Go to FozzyRock.com for all information. And don't forget to check out uh, the uh, Fozzy Meet and Greet VIP. It is the best in the business. We play a uh, five-song mini set for you before the show just privately for the vips so very very cool stuff it's going to be our most successful uk tour ever so come join us just go to fozzyrock.com for all information all right today we got information about cole cabana he's on the jericho cruise for the second time he's also a podcast pioneer and was one of the first wrestlers to launch a podcast over 10 years ago the art of wrestling which he's going to be performing on the jericho cruise we'll also talk about how he got started hear about his brand new pod wrestling anonymous which is available now wherever you get your podcasts that's a very cool idea cole is also talking about his short-lived stint in wwe as scotty goldman his time with rev pro in the uk and of course his journey uh, to AEW, where he's one of the forefathers for what is now the hottest wrestling company in the world today of course uh, you're going to hear all about that and hear about the Wrestling Road Diaries documentary he did with Brian Danielson, how that directly led to the launch of The Art of Wrestling. you hear about Unprofessional Wrestling, another hilarious uh, show that he does. He's also doing that on the Jericho Cruise. So Cole Cabana is all over the place. He's in the dark order, and he's on Talk is Jericho, starting now. Cole Cabana talking on the microphone. Check one, two. Have you not been using this thing? I have been. Oh. I have been using this thing. Uh, it's just that I want to make sure I get it right, because there's been a few times, like... Um, and we're actually on air right now when I've used this with, let's say, Gallows and Anderson and Gallows screaming, yes. <laughs> where I come back and my producer goes, I can't use this. It's way too loud. So because I've used a, 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 a bunch of different softwares over the years, as I'm sure you have as well. And we'll talk about that being one of the pioneers of the podcast. They, I mean, they don't think like we do. They're not constantly looking at these levels, wondering if it's good. I mean, it's just Gallows just yelling, <laughs> yeah. thinking he's being entertaining. But, but that is something that's very interesting. Like, I listen back to all my shows because while I'm recording them, I'm always watching levels. I'm thinking about what are we going to talk about. And you're the same. We don't have lists of questions or anything. So reading the conversation and kind of always be thinking a step ahead. Yeah. Is that kind of how you do your shows as well? Well, I, I, it was important. Not, it was important to just to sit here and talk with everybody. That's how it was, of course. But, yeah, I... I Man, I've gone through so many technical problems. I'm sure you've got a bucket list All lost episodes. Yes. Right? Just and then you find I I remember I had such a great one. I don't have you had an MVP on yours? I'd imagine. I have, yeah. Yeah, and he this was very early on and he told the story. The whole boat story. Yes, where where he basically paraphrasing robbed a boat and ended up in jail for nine years. Unbelievable. Yeah. And as I'm doing it, I'm going, This is the craziest story. And I listen back. 
and my microphone is so high, his is so low, and I'm just crying at how bad this episode is going to be, which should be an amazing episode. And then some fan reached out to me and was like, do you know what the levelator was? And I was like, no. I think I had said, like, can anyone help me? And it's just this free piece of software where you put in both sides of the conversation and it makes the conversations level. So, like, we're the same it mixes it for you. mixes it for you. That was like a game changer for me. <laughs> it was so huge. Uh, and that's, you know, th- th- those are little things I think, and I'm sure you appreciate it as a podcaster. Completely. You just, you, those are the things you think about. Like, is this episode not only listenable through the, the story being told, but also the audio? Is it listenable? Is yeah. it listenable? One of my yes. first, I had Bret Hart on, which, you know, in the first 10 episodes, it was a big deal. And his, he actually sounded like he was underwater. It was one of those type of things. So it was salvageable, but it was not good. But the all-time worst one was last year was the 10-year anniversary of MacGruber. So I got Will Forte and I got Yarma Tacone and I can't remember the cast name. The, the, the guys that wrote it, directed it, starred in it, and me. Great conversation about the whole concept of the movie and just the whole thing. And it was funny and it was informative. And it was like it's pretty big for me, my first movie. And when I pressed stop and send it, it did not show up on the SIM card. Mm-hmm. It just disappeared mm-hmm. into the ether. So then I sent it to a software house and like, we if we can find it, it'll cost you $2,000. I was like, I will pay the $2,000. Yeah. I got to get And of course, they couldn't find it. It was gone. Oh. Like, how the f*** does this happen? Oh. If people only knew, right? That's a lost episode. That's a lost episode. Oh. And what am I going to do? Call them back and say we got to do it again, and and recreate. The, can you recreate this conversation for us? And, and if it was you and I, we could do it. But these are guys like I barely know them. I yeah. can't call them back like a loser and go. <laughs> so even worse, I have to call them back and say hey, that episode it's never going to air because it's gone. Oh, so that sucks. But so when you were talking about podcasts, and, and mine has been almost eight years now, there was only a few before that, and yours was the one. Uh, the Art of Wrestling, mm. and I'm not sure when you started doing it, but it was one of the first. Yeah, June of 2010, I started doing it, and a lot of influences went about it. And it, it's funny because I I want to say, even at that time, I think you were guesting on some of these shows like this. You know, like, podcasting changed big time, I think, when iTunes started putting the podcast right. for free on the iPod. That's kind of when it changed. So, yeah, there was audio, there, and there was wrestling audio before. And I remember, I always say, I remember, like, Dr. Tom and D'Lo Brown would always, I think it was, like, NoDQ.com or it was something, you know, yeah, where yeah, they yeah. had, like, a, a weekly show, and it was blog talk radio, and it was just somebody call. you know, they were calling in, and maybe this was something. But when I feel when iTunes put podcasting on their iPod, people started taking it serious mm. and started putting like actual shows and production value. And I think that was a big switch in the podcasting game. And at that point, no wrestlers in the business were doing talking to wrestlers together, you know, like talking shop. And, and I started becoming obsessed with the comedians doing it. Comedy was very early mm-hmm. to the podcasting game. Jimmy Pardo, never not funny is one of them. I started listening to one comedy bang, bang, and then Mark Marin was, you know, and, and I think it was Mark who was just like, he was having these conversations with these comedians. And at the time, Mark Marin was not a successful comedian necessarily, but I could see him like rising up the ranks because the podcast was popular. And he had done so much time. He would tell these stories about being at the comedy store, right. being with Sam Kinison. And like what I felt to him was just like 
a road dog, couldn't get his big break, had been doing it for so long, knew everybody. And at that point, 2010, I had been in 10 years. You know, I had that awful stint with WWE, but I'd been to Japan. I'd been to Puerto Rico. I'd, I'd been to Europe so many times. I had all these relationships. And my generation was now the generation basically making it to TV, mm-hmm. although I wasn't necessarily becoming that kind of star. So it was just like I had all these ins. And I know you can relate to this. of just like, well, not relating to the failing at the WWE part. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but just wanted to diversify yourself, right? But, but it was also, it was, it was the idea that we knew everybody in every locker yes, room because yes, we yes, just... Yes. We hit the pavement. All we wanted to do was wrestle. I'm speaking for you. All I wanted to do was wrestle. You know what I'm saying? And so because of that, because we traveled so much, we just knew everyone in every locker room. So when we talked to people, we had these relationships and we could tell the story. And I, I did a, a documentary called The Wrestling Road Diaries, which was kind of like one of the first kind of let's grab a camera and show what independent wrestling is about. And in that we were showing like th- there was like people got a glimpse of what sitting in a locker room and hanging out was like about mm-hmm. and I love that movie I'm very proud of it I ended up doing two more but also I was like these conversations in the locker room should be out there the safe ones you know there's stuff that isn't right. for, the, right, isn't right, for right. the fans but there is stuff for the fans and so I just knew that they should get out and that's kind of a lot of the emphasis of the podcast when it started yeah you know kind of going back like you said you started a few years earlier than me but that was around the time when it started I remember the first podcast I ever did was I had a publicist at the time. Do you want me to think who I think I think? <laughs> well, I don't know because I, I think Corolla made Stone Cold do his podcast. And so I was going to say maybe Corolla for it you. It was Corolla. It was Corolla. So, and you go to his house. I don't know if you've ever done the show, but he's got a house in Burbank that doubles as his studio. And I remember telling my publicist, like, why are you sending me to do podcasts? Because I was under the assumption that podcasts were just fan-based. And the typical, you know, doing it in your mom's basement type thing, but just somebody doing it from their house. Almost like... If you're in the 60s, a ham radio mm-hmm. operator. Well, you couldn't make it on right on radio. So, so you start a podcast. You'll do your I'm own like, well, thing. who's listening to this? Yeah. And then I go to Corolla's studio, and on the wall, it said, Guinness Book of World Records, most downloads for a podcast. And at the time, it was something like 500 million downloads. And I was like, are you effing kidding me? I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And that's why I started thinking, once again, podcasts are not the wave of the future. Podcasts are happening now. Yeah. And this usually wouldn't that happens to me. I'm doing it with NFTs right now. Like I want to jump on it early so that when it blossoms, I'll have been one of the first. And that's where the podcast idea came up with assist from Stone Cold, who had started right before me. Yeah. And one last thing that I'll say is my mindset always was I know what it's like to get interviewed. Yes. And get asked the same question yeah. over and over and over again. I know what it's like when someone's trying to dig for the dirt. I know what it's like when someone comes in with a list of questions and you know they're not paying any attention to what I'm saying because they're just thinking about the next question. Yeah. So I just want this to be a conversation. I'm going in there with nothing. Every time with nothing. And we'll see what happens. I would do these interviews before my podcast and I would I loved long form and I wanted to open up. Mm. So I would like try to open up to these people on the telephone and I could tell that they were doing something else. You know, and they were they were thinking of the next question. And for me, you know, I was just like, where is the person who's going to have this conversation with me? Mm-hmm. And then I realized like, oh, I, you know, it's I'll, you. yeah, it's me who will have it with others. And you have because you have to listen. Yeah. Right. That's the secret to yeah. it. And that's when when I started getting into I remember one of my earlier guests and it's great to this day. He doesn't do podcasts. And I'll just say the only podcast I do is my buddy, Chris Jericho, is William Shatner. Some reason the stars aligned and, and and he actually came very early on. 
and we were talking about something. I mentioned that I had a rent a car and something happened with the rent a car. So we had rent a car. So do you always rent cars? And what's the con? Like he was listening to what I was saying as a guest and then coming back at me with really interesting questions about some little bit of detail that I didn't even think mattered. Mm -hmm. And I realized this is what he does to keep himself interested because he's answered 10,000 questions about Captain Kirk. Imagine how many things. Right. And I was like, wow. So I really try and pull the William Shatner and listen to where something that maybe somebody hasn't talked about. Mm -hmm. And that's why they'll enjoy doing Talk is Jericho. Yeah. All right. So Colt has a new podcast called Wrestling Anonymous. We'll hear what that's all about. But before we do, we got to say thank you to Magic Spoon for supporting Talk is Jericho and the breakfast of La Champion. You guys know that Blueberry Magic Spoon cereal is my favorite way to start the day. And starting my day with Magic Spoon's protein-packed, delicious cereal gives me the energy I need to get everything done. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in every serving. It's only 140 calories per serving as well. And check this out. Keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb and you can build your own custom box or get a variety pack with available flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, maple waffle, all across the board. And even better news, Magic Spoon's cookies and cream and maple waffle flavors are back permanently. So just go to magicspoon.com slash Jericho to grab your delicious cereal and try it today. And be sure to use my promo code Jericho at checkout to save five bucks off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, They'll refund your money, no questions asked. Get your delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Jericho. Use the code Jericho to save $5 off. Magic Spoon is the breakfast of La Champion, and it can be your breakfast as well. All right, Colts, when you started The Art of Wrestling, what was your strategy as an interviewer? It was listening, and yeah, whatever someone kind of has to say and going with it. I'm always interested. I really, I love origin stories. And I know it's kind of cliche in the terms of like, we've answered all the questions, where did you train, right? Like we can say, where did you train? But I also love improv and I know you've done improv training. So like I I started doing some improv training in Chicago when I started my podcast and it really clicked because I want to know where you train, but you're going to tell me that answer and then it blossoms out. We start a scene from that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. it's not just where did you train, but that's someone saying the um what is it hey i need a word or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. cold and chris are at a taxidermy shop and they're on their first date go right, right. and you so know? and so that was it that just started the conversation mm-hmm. i mean it's not i really i mean i do want to know where you train but then then we start blasting them out and so i also felt at the time i'd just been released by wwe i felt that like i had this crazy story i didn't you know in my heart I felt that wrestling was trying to push me away, but I didn't want to be done with wrestling. And as I started getting more successful with my podcast and my show and traveling more, you know, I wanted to hear other people's stories, I guess, kind of like mine, or I felt everyone had that kind of story. So that was always a big part of my show was overcoming. What did you overcome? And even the big stars, when I had on the people that you think aren't over, you know, we just look at these people on TV and we just assume they've always had everything. Then we find out, all the little things that make them people. And then of course makes you relatable. I I guess I'd like your take on this a little bit because I I remember going, I remember doing a bunch of pitches while I was in developmental and I just kept on hearing that Vince McMahon likes larger than life, larger than life. And I just kept on saying, 
my selling point is I'm not larger than life. I'm everybody's friend. People enjoy my enjoy me as a uh, as a person, as a fan. I liked Mick Foley because I saw him jump off. You know, like yeah, uh, the backyard tapes. That's what I was doing, right? You know, and so I, I just know I know there's two different aspects of it, but I grew up thinking I would never make it to WWF because I would never look like those people. And so I didn't think like you can put me on TV and I would look like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to look like John Cena or Batista. It's just not who I am. But I know I, I can everywhere I've gone, I've gotten over with, mm-hmm. you know, and I've weirdly made money in this in industry. Well, yeah. And that's something that we'll talk about, too, is that is that you were one of the first guys, much like the Young Bucks, that were able to create kind of an industry, the Colt Cabana industry, where you didn't have to be in WWE to make money. And I'm, I'm not. I don't know how much money you made or how little money you made, but you were always in the business and always talked about. So you must have been doing fairly well. But you were one of the first guys where it's like, I think maybe, and you can tell me this when you got released, that maybe you're thinking, I don't want to have to worry about being in a company ever again. Yeah. I said, well, first thing I did was put a resume on monster.com. Really? And like the saddest, of course. I mean, you work your way up to WWE and then it's done. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what society says yeah. right i i talk with some friends like i have man I have, I have a friend who was in snl and did one season and got fired mm. and it's just like who is it brooks whelan oh, i don't even remember what year was that i wonder uh man maybe 2005 or gotcha, something like gotcha. that yeah and it's just like i i equate it to like imagine being a sketch whatever that's a great point yeah and get and that's where you want to go and it's it's crazy the more you think about it lauren is vince they're so so I mean, the mcgruber thing totally made me realize that they are so similar in personalities in aura and in the fact they both created these pop culture phenomenons basically from nothing was he on set for the yes he was really and he sounds exactly like dr like evil. mike myers yeah, yeah and mike yeah. myers impersonation of lauren is dr evil yeah and he hates it he yeah. doesn't think he does so. i'd imagine yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you're very funny. <laughs> I really enjoyed your line delivery. That's what oh, said. That, yeah. <laughs> is that your best work right there? <laughs> I can do work. Should we edit that out? <laughs> so go ahead. So yeah, you're, you're, talking about, you're talking about being a sketch comedy comedian. Well, getting to SNL. That's where you. That's where you get to. And then what do you? How do you? It's just all you know. Our industry has told us it's all down. You know, you right. made, I did the shows with King Kong Bundy. Uh, and Brutus Beefcake on the way down. Those were the shows that I did on the way up. And now it's not like they were going to hire me back. You know, I was on my way down. So uh, the first thing I did was put my resume on Monster. You know, I have a I have a college degree, and I was just like, well, I'll I'll try to take bookings, but eventually, I guess I'll have to do a real life. But then also, as everything started kind of building, and as I started really taking so much from comedy, I started doing a sketch show or a, a YouTube show that I took kind of an idea. Just the basic idea, a uh, YouTube show, and I made the documentary, which was based off of the comedians of comedy. Uh, my YouTube show was based off of this little thing called Puddin' by Eddie Pepitone. He's doing these little short videos. So me and Marty DeRosa, we would go and we'd film 10 things in two hours, and then we'd make one-minute videos, and they'd come out every week. Uh, and then the podcast was kind of, you know, a lot of it was inspired by comedy. And then as it started building, I, I realized that, like, I don't want – anyone to fire me anymore i want to be the only person that could fire myself and i want to have so many different boxes because uh, i put all my eggs in this wwe basket and i just wanted all different boxes so if one box goes away i have six more mm. and that was my mentality 
to try to survive. And as it started getting really good, you know, like I knew, like if I was fired at 29, I think at 30 and a half or 31, I realized like, oh crap, I'm doing good. And there is longevity in this. And so uh, I knew I would have, you know, I knew I didn't have to take the job on Monster. <laughs> and I knew I could, I knew I could do the indies. I was making pretty crazy money. You know, at, at the height of, I think, my podcast, I know I was making more than mid-carters in WWF, which I know is is wild for people to hear. But also, I, I think I was wrestling more than them. I was on the road about 200 days a year. I would just take everything, and I would do everything. And I had this mentality of, like, because the popularity of the podcast and the and being on the internet and all of this stuff, merchandise moved. People wanted to come to have an experience so I didn't really need to get paid the most for a show. I just needed to get to that merch table, mm -hmm. you know? And I love the wrestling, and I, and I have so much, you know, pride in professional wrestling, and I think I have such a, a weird and different style, and if it doesn't fit some places, like, I know that I enjoy doing it. It makes me happy, and I know there's a pocket of people that it does make happy. So the art of it I loved, but also to make a living, if I could get to the show, if I can get to a table, if I can meet the fans who have come that want to meet me. And it's weird how we look at like how I look at it in terms of like the promoter is, you know, the promoter is paying me for the job, but they also get the, you know, it's cheap because now like the fan pays for the ticket and they get that money. The promoter does. And then I mm. get the money of the meet and greet or whatever. And, and I start, I'm very analytical when it comes to all this stuff. So like I really break it down probably to a detriment to myself, but that's kind of how, my process worked. But it was also, too, because the podcast was so popular that then brings up your name value for mm -hmm. the shows. that They're working in, in, in a symbiotic function. There's a word for you. Yeah, like I like that's, you know, I not necessarily draw in an arena, but I'm going to draw in front of, you know, two to a thousand people or whatever it might be. And I can bring 100, 200 people or whatever it is. And if you're a promoter. That's money. Yeah. You know, the, uh, Andy uh, Quinlan in England in RevPro. I mean, I probably went to England every other month mm. for three years. And he was just like, why would I not book you? Right. He's like, you know, the podcast, they're coming over. And it did like, I, I boosted his business a little bit because no one was bringing me over overseas and we kind of figured it out and it became kind of a, a model. And I, you know, the brother thing is like, I've been working for him for so long. I knew him since I you know first started going over to England in 23. Mm -hmm. So I would work cheap for him. But I would make so much money because the UK fans, you know, like they they liked me and enjoyed me. But I lived in Chicago. Right. So you make it more on the back end when you do go there. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about your time in the WWE as Scotty Goldman. But we'll do that after I tell you a story about another indie wrestler who's really making a name for himself in the coffee business. His name is Greg Fontiero. You may know him by his gimmick name, Brody Vice. And his coffee is called New Wave Flow State Coffee. New Wave is his company, and Flow State Coffee is his first product. So Dr Greg's delicious Flow State Coffee also has the added health benefits of boosting your brain function and focus, stimulating your creativity, and reducing your anxiety. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, uh, give me a break. It's just coffee, but it's really not just coffee. Greg has spent 10 years working on this product, and he's come up with a game changer. Flow State Coffee gives you the clean caffeine boost without the jitters or the crash, the L-theanine in his coffee, say that again twice, L-theanine, L-theanine is a green tea amino acid extract that relaxes you without making you sleepy. And the raw cacao is like an all-natural antidepressant. It boosts your mood. 
and just tastes great. So you put all that together and you get the caffeine high with improved focus and less of the jitters and anxiety that come from too much coffee. Flow State Coffee is also organic. It's grown in the shade at high altitudes in Nicaragua and roasted specifically to be low acidity, which means it's easier on your stomach. It tastes great and it's super smooth, exactly the way I like my coffee. And you're going to love it too, which is why New Wave is offering you guys 10% off your first purchase when you go to newwave.co and use the promo code Jericho. That's N-O-O-Wave.co. Use the promo code Jericho to get 10% off your first purchase. That's New Wave, N-O-O-W-A-V-E.co. Now start unlocking your best work with the best tasting coffee you've ever had, Flow State Coffee. Just, just to quickly touch on it because we, we've never spoke on, on Talk is Jericho before. Just quickly tell me because the name in WWE was Scotty Goldman. Yeah. Tell me kind of what the concept of that was because there's a couple things I remember about it, but it was a very quick cup of coffee as far as I can remember. But, oh, I'd love to know what you remember about it. Well, <laughs> what I remember of it, well, first of all, tell, tell me what the gimmick was and what it, what it was supposed to be. I mean, it was, first, I was just in developmental for too long. And in FCW, in, F- in OVW and FCW, mm-hmm. and like, I don't say this in any braggy way, but I was like, I was been told like I'm too good for developmental. Right, you've been working too long to be stuck here with these right. Guys. Yeah. So we're gonna move you up, and I think it was a sink or swim thing, or you know, it must have been. I don't. Yeah. There was a bunch of us who, me, Spears, Kizarni, uh, Atlas De Bone, who was uh, Ricky Ortiz. Right, we just it was kind of like a <laughs> it was a wild thing. Booker T love it and Atlas De Bone. Oh. Man, gosh, I hadn't thought of that name in years. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's so crazy because now you know there there was this this time this year where those guys are all getting released and like you know some make it and some don't. It's so wild that the number of people who just like sign that contract, put their heart in that, and it's just like out you go. Yeah, and and from like the lower level too. And I, I guess it's part of the business, but and I was that part of the business. It's like, well, let's see if it works. But also, I was just brought up. They changed my name on the day. I was going to be Colt Cabana, but then they were like, I guess, you know, we want to own whatever your name is. Vince asked if I was Jewish. This is all hearsay. I'm not really sure. Uh, Vince asked if I was Jewish. Why would he ask if you're Jewish? In the meeting. (laughs) It's been, it had been brought up. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and and I, it's funny how wrestling works because I had thought to myself, like, what do I have that other people don't have? Because I'm just an average looking dude. Like, I'm very aware of that, you know? (laughs) And I always would say to myself, like, like on the indies, it's I knew I had ten minutes, I knew I had fifteen minutes, I would wow them with my charm, tell and your my, story, my yeah. wrestling yeah. story. But what can I in this world that I know is different? And so I would bring up that I'm Jewish because there it wasn't a thing that was highlighted, and it's new. I knew it was something different about me, mm-hmm. so I'd been brought up, and so I, you know, let's call him Goldman. I guess was whatever. That's what it was. Your new name, Scotty Goldman. I, my first match was with Brian Kendrick. Brian was they were they were getting him ready to wrestle Triple H or something. Mm-hmm. He had Ezekiel with him. All these names we think about that, right? <laughs> yeah, That's just come and go. They don't stick, yeah. yeah. And that was it. What I remember about the gimmick, and like I said, it was that it was almost like the the Batman Bam Pow yeah. little kind of boxes that looked a little bit more like expletive and you and it said like gold man. Yeah. I mean that was that was mine. Well, of course it was. Yeah. But, but what were you trying to do? Like there was Gold Man, and you had like other names on there too. Fun Man, I don't know, Dude Man. I just you're trying to go with the man, the Goldman, anything. Right. I was trying to go with anything. 
and then I, I think I, I think I had a gold singlet made, and then I remember, and this is how that place works. You know w- way more than I do. Shelton Benjamin was the gold standard, right. and he got. It's funny because, in my mind, he got very mad that I was trying to do some kind of gold thing, and it's like they named me Gold Man. <laughs> You're the gold standard. It's and then years later, I toured Noah with him, pro wrestling Noah in Japan, and I realized like, oh, he wasn't being a dick or he wasn't mad at me. That's just kind of who he is. Mm-hmm. He yeah, kind of yeah, has yeah, he's got that kind of dry. Yes, and I got and I can only the way I thought about Shelton Benjamin at that point in my career because I was like everyone was kind of nice, but screw that guy. I didn't you know I said it to myself and yeah, my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later tour with him and Noah and realize what a good guy this guy is. The number of people who have been hated in wrestling, just that situation. Had I not toured with him in Japan, I that's think it's how because I they're, they're they're a product of their environment. Mm-hmm. You know, what I, I mean? don't even think he was mad at me. I think he just said like a snide remark. Oh, in his in passing, in his mind it was like nothing. Like Goldman, I'm gold standard, yeah. and I took it as like. <laughs> You've got heat. I'm going to bury you to all the writers. And that's just how minds work. But it is from that environment, from that environment of course. Yeah. yeah. So so when, when you started doing your podcast, and once again, it's so interesting to me. It's much like listening to Metallica in 1983. They were so f- heavy. But now you go and you hear it at sports games. Like you would never hear a Metallica. Like it was, it was offensive to listen to. Same thing with podcasting. Now in 2021 everyone's open everyone's talking what was it like in 2010 when you were trying to get guys to talk long form secrets of the business yeah well i, I mean just like I'm, i wasn't really going for dirt necessarily mm, just it, stories it was just yeah, it, yeah converse just long form giving somebody the ability and the platform to talk but the key was they were all my friends and if you look at that first 100 episodes of mine they were just all my friends who were i was on the road constantly with we were talking these talks and I think they just all had trust in me. Mm-hmm. And that was another part of it is that another thing is like, I, I didn't send the headlines to um, the websites of like, this guy says this thing. I just did my show. And like, I wasn't worried about that. Looking at it now, 10 years later, like there's so much money in that stuff that I, I was just so stupid. <laughs> I don't know if it was stupid or I wasn't, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I'll take that back. I don't think I was stupid because I was just doing a show with my friends, mm-hmm. you know, like my, I, I guess as a businessman, I could look, I could clip these things and do whatever, but it's just, it's not really what I wanted to do. And so, yeah, they, they were just all my friends and we were just talking. I, I, I think I did a two-parter with, with Regal very early and he was so open and so great. You did one with him, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, a few times. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think that's when, that was like one of the first real like ones that kind of popped from my show where... Mm-hmm. People, I think, started listening to it uh, regularly, and that was, you know, 111 episodes or something. And so, you know, it's such a yeah. yeah. And luckily, I never, I didn't know how to get my numbers at first, hmm. so I was just doing it. And I, I saw people connecting to it, and I saw people coming to shows and buying merch. So, that, so that's your financial gain from it. That's your profit. But that's how I, I knew that it was. Yeah, worth doing, and I knew that people were enjoying it. Um, and then later, when you find out the numbers, you're like, "Good lord!" And then I, I think also the, the kind of you said before, where we think like, "Oh, who listens to these things?" Uh, you know, one of the early good ones had like a hundred thousand listeners, and then I remember being at like a, 
hockey game and look looking at the arena and seeing that there was 20,000 people in the mm-hmm. arena right they make that announcement yeah and then you just say to yourself like five of these buildings are all sitting on the train or yeah. working yeah. out uh and that really put a lot in perspective i think who was your first guest uh davari oh. <laughs> yeah yeah uh in a god it was after a ring of honor show uh, Generico and Steen were just there on the other bed. Mysterious Generico, never identity, never been revealed to no. this day. Yeah, and it's. I always have to say that whenever his name is mentioned, <laughs> just so people know. We, we have no idea. But you know, you ride with him because he's a good wrestler, right? Yeah, 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 sure, yeah. Sure. we like good wrestlers. He's got his mask on for the whole ride. But uh, so annoying, yeah, yeah. and it smells a little. The mask, it smells. I don't think he watches it, which is kind of a shame. Uh, and those are the personalities I'm sure you know from from doing the podcast, mm. like. Davari likes to talk. He's open. He's got a fun story. You know, his dad owned a pizza place. Uh, I knew I knew I was involved in his story as it happened. Right. Like when he drove himself to OVW trying to become, you know, get a spot. somehow. (laughs) I mean, I you know, we were on the phone. I was talking to him. He was we would talk through these things. We would be on these small indie shows. And so, yeah, Davari was a great uh, first guest. When did you start? Like, for me, my concept was never just for wrestling. It was going to be a little bit of everything. It still is to this day. And like I said, you get to certain levels. Like, it's great having your friends on. Because one of my favorite things about a podcast is, like, for example, you and I work together. You're always doing what you got to do. I'm always doing what I got to do. Unless you actually take the time to sit down and talk, you really don't talk a lot. Mm. So this gives you an excuse to have an hour-long you know, catch up with your friend. Mm. And it also gives you a reason to meet other people that you've never met or maybe, you you know, idolize them or whatever it could be. What was kind of the first guest that you had for you where you were like, couldn't believe that you're actually talking to this person? God, I'm trying to think. I don't, I don't know the, like two names kind of come to my mind when you say that is demolition acts. No, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Demolition smash. I've always wanted to have acts on. Have you had Bill Edie on? I have not had Bill Edie on. God, I think he... I have not. I mean, I've kind of stopped doing my show. The Art of Wrestling. The Art of Wrestling. Yeah. I do have a new podcast, yeah. Wrestling or Not. Discuss that. Discuss <laughs> that. But there, I feel there was times where like, he would have done it with me. Mm. And he's someone... That's a fascinating That's person. an old school brother, though. It's hard to get what I'm... By point. Like, I remember Arn was just in here. We did a show about Bobby Eaton. Yeah. Who, they, you informed me, had passed away, <laughs> uh, as we knew. Uh, also, I, that was... I was like, oh, I hope he laughs at this. I, I, I don't know if it's the right time to It's very joke. dry. And I was like, yes. it's got to know that Bobby passed away. <laughs> um, so it, Tony and, and Arn did. I remember the way back, probably 2014, 15, I asked Arn to do my show. And he's like, eh, I don't feel comfortable with mm-hmm. that. And... There's still a couple of people that don't want to go into it, mm-hmm. but I'm imagine it was a lot worse back then. So because nobody was doing podcasts, so to get demolition acts would be kind of really yeah. old school brother. But I, I so who I got? I got Smash and Ted DiBiase, and Ted so Di- Smash is Darso, right? Smash yeah. is Darso. What a great guy! Yeah, the best guy. Everyone oh loves my Darso, god! Yeah, that Minnesota charm. Yeah. it is there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess you would know. Like you're close. That's but, the truth, right? Yeah. And. It was through, like, Ted DiBiase was through, like, he was putting out this movie and he was trying to publicize it. And so I was like, this is my end. I'm going to do this. I'm doing this Heroes and Legends thing with him. That's the thing, too, is I was, the way, and I'm interested in if that's how you look at it and how you do it. And first of all, I still don't know how, I am so happy not to know that I have to do, collect one of these a week. (laughs) that's, That's wild. But I would look at my shows, who's on my shows, and... Yeah, and I had this convention, and I think Ted DiBiase was promoting this movie, and so I got to sit down with him. And a lot, it's hard because, like you were saying before, like we don't have questions, but I, I like to think I know about wrestling, 
but I, I'm always questioning myself like it's always good to go to Wikipedia and do a quick read. A through. quick breeze. Yeah. A quick I like breeze to do that. Down. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I like to do that. Yeah. I remember and I remember you had Bruno on too, and I I had set up with Bruno and I was freaking out. Like I just don't want to disrespect this man by you know, only going twenty minutes and not having an information. I remember talking to Michael at high spots, being like, you know, he was guiding me through because he was working with Bruno a lot at the time, and he's just like, "Oh, he likes to talk. You'll be fine." <laughs> what a great guest! And he did right, and he was great. I also a, a fun story from that one was he, at the time he was eighty years old, so I went and bought like a microphone stand, like thinking he wouldn't be able to hold a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "I don't need this," and yeah. I was like, "Oh, that makes sense. You're the strongest man right. of all time." You the, can... the, the cool thing with my Bruno show, and it's funny because I've mentioned a couple times because people have been asking me. We're in Pittsburgh right now, saying, "Do you got any great? What's your favorite Pittsburgh?" And, and uh, Bruno agreed to do my show, but only uh, from his favorite Italian restaurant called Rico's. And usually when you do the podcast, we want it silent so you don't have wor- audio or wor- worries or you know distractions. But he would do it from the restaurant. I thought, well, I'll do my best. So I set up my rig right in the middle of Bruno's favorite table. And everyone's eating and there's murmuring, there's talking. But I'll tell you what, the ambiance for that show, once it settles in, it becomes background noise. Mm. It was Unfucking believable because he was so comfortable in his element. Mm-hmm. He told the best. We went about two hours, and I usually only like to go about an hour. Mm-hmm. But I was like, that's that's why he wanted to come here. Yeah, because he wanted to be comfortable. And that's why one of the things I love about podcasting is that we'll live on forever. Yeah, and that's the best. Yeah. It's just like this. We're now part of the archives of wrestling. Yeah, we you can go back in twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years. And we can hear these conversations. And then also we hear Bruno San Martino at, eating at a restaurant <laughs> yeah. with Chris Jericho. It's so cool. So what's the other pods you've done over the years, like Unprofessional Wrestling, which, of course, is what you're going to be doing on the Jericho Cruise. That reminds me a lot of Mystery Science Theater. Uh, you did it a few years ago. I'm looking forward to seeing it again uh, this year. But before we get into that and your new show, Wrestling Anonymous, let me say thank you to another sponsor who makes this show possible. That's Steven Singer Jewelers. You know how much I love Steven Singer Jewelers, and I'm sure you know why his competition hates him so much. It's because Steven doesn't focus on sales, coupons, or discounts. Steven is in the love business, and that means he celebrates love by giving his guests the very best price every single day. Steven is the first to offer the perfect price. Have you ever wondered whether you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating and haggling? Well, here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. And the reality is the guy next to you might be paying less. Is that how you want to purchase something special for somebody special? I don't think so. Steven doesn't play those pricing games. You can trust Steven Singer Jewelers for the best value every single day. And Steven stands behind that value with the best guarantee in the business and no risk shopping. That's why we trust Steven Singer. Buy real jewelry from a real jeweler. I love that. Visit Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut and Philly or online at I Hate. Stevensinger.com, Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price, Stevensinger.com. All right. So, Cole, when you do your podcast, do you have a certain time limit or a format that you like to follow? After years, it comes to a pattern. Usually at 40 or 45, I'd like to wrap up. Very early, I would be like, I need to be wrapped. I can't go long. The whole show can't be longer than an hour. I wanted to like set it that. And then you realize, like, who's telling you that it can't yeah. be longer than an hour? Yeah. You know, as a fan, I my kind of key to my whole career is do the stuff that you would want to be a fan of, right? It's how I wrestle. 
It's the podcast that I made. It's something that I think I would want to listen to if I wasn't in wrestling. And so, like, I didn't want to – I, people were putting out three, four-hour podcasts. Yeah. And I remember, like, being like, well, I'm not going to listen to this, even if it's amazing. Yeah. I'm not going to listen to long. this. Too long. That's um, one thing very, very surprising to me with Joe Rogan, which how uh, successful he is. He's at the top of the game right now in podcasting, but his shows are three hours long. I can't – I'll listen to James Hetfield on there because I'm a big Hetfield fan. But other than that, like, it takes a lot to get me to, to, to spend three yeah. hours doing anything. But – if that's what he likes, and it's you're, obviously working, you're allowed to do it. It's yeah, the great thing. Right. There, he's his own boss. Yeah, you know, so I, I don't even think Spotify can tell him what to do necessarily. Oh, and he, didn't he just get a hundred million dollars? Yeah, from company. To but do it's that? also they they're just licensing licensing it out. Yeah, it's like he's still he makes the shots. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and so if he wants to put on a three hour show, like, he can do yeah, it. Just me, what was how did you end up? Uh, you mentioned at first you didn't really know your numbers or or whatever, but as you continued forward. Where did you get your revenue? Did you have an advertising company? Did you start working with a with a platform? So this kind of not ties in with you, you and I, but I befriended the Sklar brothers, mm. who I know you I listened yeah, to their show and I know the you show, did their yeah. show. Yeah. And I'm not even this. sure how I got to know them. <laughs> so I That's was, all it is now. You meet someone, you go, Hey, I got a podcast, you want to do it? Maybe, yeah. And I I was in LA. They there was a company called Earwolf who was very early. And I did the Sklar Brothers podcast. Um, I can envision the Earwolf building. Yeah. You probably did it. Yeah. I can see it in my head. Well, they moved a couple of times. They started making Now they're Stitcher. It's so Stitcher's bought them out. It's so crazy how wow. podcasts. Yes, it's just gone through the roof. Wild. And I did their podcast, and then their numbers were very good. Not to brag. No. <laughs> you know, like, but there was a lot of uh, movement from me and like social media. And then the owner, a guy named Jeff uh, Ehrlich, who was the owner of Earwolf, yeah. he was like, hey, tell me about your numbers and everything. And then I was like, oh, I don't even know. And I looked it up and then I gave him my numbers. And he's like, we're starting this thing called Midroll, mm. which does advertising. And at first I was like, listen, man, I don't want to do um, Adam and Eve because that's what's on Corolla. Blue Chew. Blue, well, I, <laughs> I do. You know, I was just like, I, I have more integrity than that. Yeah, yeah right. And then he told me what I could make, and I was like, holy yeah. – like, yes, Adam and Eve, whatever. <laughs> My favorite part. I, uh, unreal, yeah. I, I didn't know there was that kind of money Agreed. in it. It blew my mind. And the great thing was is I had been doing it for whatever, two and a half years out of pure, yes, business reasons, but I just loved doing it. I really loved doing it. And I remember Bruce Pritchard had – I had a conversation with him before he started his show – and he was just asking me about podcasting. I was like, you have to, you can't make it a chore. You have to love to do it. Right. And he said that kind of always stuck with him. Um, and so then, yeah. So, I mean, I started working with Midroll and they started Hulu. Hulu Plus was one of my first sponsors. And for me to be in my my shitty studio apartment in Chicago, you know, whatever, you know, National TV wrestling doesn't want me. And then, you know, I'm sitting in my apartment going like, this episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus. <laughs> and knowing like a good check is coming to me and I'm making right. good money wrestling, I really felt like I felt like this like underground kind mm. of like. Well, dude, I'll, I'll tell you right now, you are a pioneer in the podcasting business. You really are. And, and uh, uh, I don't know, influential to when I started kind of because, like I said, I knew. Scotty Goldman, and I kind of knew your name, but but 
then I'm hearing Cole Cabana, Art of Wrestling, Art of Wrestling, Cole Stewart. And I was like, this guy's really cornered this market. Man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's really cool to kind of hear that because like you mentioned, you have to love to do it. But because you came in early on, because now, did you know this? There's over a million, and that's not wrestling exaggeration, over a million podcasts. Yeah. So when you started in 2010, you were able to build your fan base so that you were worth this type of money. Because now people go, well, who am I supposed to listen to? Everyone's got one. Mm-hmm. For Jericho, well, we've been there for eight years. For Cabana, we've known him for 10 years. We'll check those ones out mm-hmm. first. And that's where the advertisers in the podcast platform see that. I, somebody was saying the other day, like, at first we were like, yeah, like definitely Jericho, Austin. People would be like, are you mad that they have podcasts? They'd be like, no, like now people will understand what podcasts are and they'll check everyone. But now it's like, oh, there's there's too many. That's, uh, no, you know. <laughs> you know what makes me laugh though? It's, it's also, it's like I've hosted a lot of award shows and stuff like that and they'll bring in some other guys. It's like, oh, oh they'll bring in Sammy Hager this year or whatever. And it's like, doesn't quite work. It's hard to host a show mm-hmm. in front of a crowd on a podcast, but nobody realizes that until they try and host one. And that's why, yes, there's a million, but out of those, there's a very small group that are really mm-hmm. good interviewers. And those are the ones that people flock to. And those are the ones that last. Yeah. But it's also so cool that someone can try it and fail. Yeah. That, that the, the, the barrier of entry is very minimal that if, you know, you can have that opportunity and, and that's kind of why it was like, you know, like, WWE didn't want me or whatever and it was like well you know I'm allowed to do podcasts mm-hmm. you know so I, I love that anyone can try and that's why I, I, I'm I think all this you know like even like TikTok's so big now and, and just but YouTube shows and podcasting the barrier of entry is like anyone could do it the cream will rise yeah and I fell to someone in wrestling who was rising on the independence who didn't get a chance to rise nationally you know, there was there wasn't a, a national person saying like yes or no. It was just I went right to the people, and I always kind of said that. Uh, I always used this isn't fair to Carlito or, or Masters, you know. But it, it, I always said like they were on TV, and then you know they go and do their independent shows, and like they're not. I'm doing a. I'm trying to do something weekly. I'm trying. They had their weekly advertisements, and then once they're off that show and then they're doing independence they're weekly they're not being weekly advertised anymore and they needed wwe for that weekly advertisement but they were in wwe so it's not like they were going to go to independent shows Mm -hmm. so you know my show was my weekly advertisement that was my usa network but i didn't need a wrestling show and i didn't need a network i just need to upload something to an internet and do it with consistency yeah that's what people expect they want to hear it if it's thursday at nine you better not miss a week right it was my weekly show yes you know it's it's interesting too because that's something that steve told me because austin once again brought me to podcast one and one of his biggest pitches at the time it was av uh, ad rev share uh, yeah so whatever advertisements we're getting i get a share of it um but he's like most importantly is you get a platform to promote whatever you want to promote and talk about whatever you want to talk about for a whole hour. And that really does become your machine. Like I have the Jericho podcasting machine where whatever it might be, people will respond. And I've done that with my own stuff. And I've done that with Terrifier. I don't know if you're you're a horror movie fan, but there's a movie called Terrifier that was just a little underground horror movie that I was really focusing on. And now it's become not just because of me, because it's great. It became a thing, but a lot of that had to do with, with Jericho DDP yoga ask page 
because I was always promoting it because he was a sponsor, mm -hmm. it got over. Mm -hmm. So you have this platform and people start to trust what you're saying and believe what you are pitching to them. And that that is worth its weight in gold. I mean, well, I mean, there's many reasons why I started. I was talking about the influences, but also I was putting out this documentary mm -hmm. and I remember the Wrestling Road Diaries still up at ColtMerch.com. <laughs> but I remember being like, I'm going to have to go do a bunch of podcasts and again, boy, do I hate doing those. Yeah. And I was like, if I just had my own show and I strategically started it before, like strategically started my podcast, you know, I think it was six or uh, six months before knowing that like I would, I, I would build it up to the release of this movie. And I, I pictured always doing it longer, but I, I knew that was a key element of, I need to produce this movie or I need to promote this movie. Cause I, I did it all single-handedly by myself and it stars Daniel Bryan before he went to W. It's pretty wild. Before he went to WWE, it was like he was getting tested to see if he could go there. And then, like, while the movie came out, I think it was when that Justin Roberts, like, you know, like, it's pretty wild, the timing, all of it. But I just knew that I was I was like, I got to put up a list. I got to build myself a list of all these shows I got to go on that I don't want to go on. And I kind of said to myself, I said to myself, like, well, if I was if I was the show that I would go on, it would be so much better. And, and yeah, the right. The befores and afters. Yeah. Uh, the intro and the outros kind of became my infomercial for this documentary. Yeah, you don't have to say the same story 10 times. You just come to my podcast to hear it. Mm -hmm. So the art of wrestling is on hiatus, except for being on the Jericho cruise. Of course, I want to talk about that. But before we do, I, I bet you guys are a lot like me that you sleep a hell of a lot better when it's cold. Nothing worse than trying to fall asleep when it's hot and you're sweating. I hate that. And even science has proven the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering your core body temperature. Science has shown that temperature-controlled sleep restores testosterone levels, repairs muscles after a hard day's work, and improves cognitive function so you always start your day on top of your game, all right? How do you do this? Chilly sleep. That's how. Chilly sleep makes customizable climate-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. Chili Sleep has the Uller and Cube Sleep Systems, and these luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep. They are designed to help you fall asleep and stay asleep. I just got the Uller for my bed at home. I just got the Uller for my bed at home. I've been trying it out. It's keeping me cool, especially here in Florida, even though it's a little bit uh, nicer outside, but the humidity drives me crazy. Uller has made my bed very cool. I enjoy it. I'm going to need some great sleep uh, after all this touring and being on the road. And there's nothing like your own bed, especially after you've been gone for a while, especially when it's the temperature you want it to be, which is what the Uller and Chili Sleep does for me. So go to chilisleep.com slash Jericho to learn more and check out a special offer just for you guys. It's a limited time offer, so go to chilisleep.com slash Jericho. Take advantage of it while you can. That's C-H-I-L-I sleep dot com slash Jericho for the exclusive discount. Wake up refreshed every single day. Chilisleep.com slash Jericho. That's chilisleep.com slash Jericho. All right, Colt. You said that the Art of Wrestling podcast is on hiatus, except for, of course, on the Jericho cruise. But why is the reason for that? I, I slowed down, but they're all still up. And, you know, they have ads in them and stuff. So, like, the whole past, the whole past archives. What they do now is with the archives, they put in the new ads. So, it's constantly it's great. Up, updating. It's a great business yeah. model. I wish I had that years ago. Yeah. But, again, like, I, you know, you can't look in the past. You just got to move forward. <laughs> yeah. I felt that I had talked to a lot of people. I felt that this idea of a podcast was a little oversaturated. Um, and I just, I don't know if, you know, like, I wasn't. 
the same guy that I was in, in my early 30s or late 20s. And I just, I don't know, I think I, I felt it kind of had had come to an end. And I try, I changed it for like a year and a half to a documentary style podcast, which I really liked too. But it didn't like pop the numbers or anything. It just was what it was. And, and I was just like, I'd like to take a break from this. Like, a asking, having the pressure of having to ask somebody every single week, every week yeah. right? It's wild. Or twice a week for you, <laughs> unreal, unreal. And then uh, when the documentary podcast, I started doing like because I was still traveling so much and wrestling so much, and I would like bring my, th- so I would use like this mic that attached to my iPhone, and I would like kind of put it in people's faces, not putting people's faces, like, hey, can I? The same way like Ethan does for his vlog, it's like, hey, like when you watch it, you're like, this is great, but. No, behind the scenes, he's got to be like, can I put you on my vlog? Right, right, right. And it right. becomes a lot. And so I I love the idea of going to be able to do these shows and not having to do the that pressure, anymore. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same because I said coming here today, well, and not to mention talking about technical glitches, the, the one time you and I were going to do it in Miami, I forgot my ring, <laughs> which is so Bush League. And I was like, oh, he's gonna, he's a pioneer of podcasting. He's going to think I'm a Bush League. And then, but today knowing like, okay, I've got the Bobby Eaton podcast. I got the Colt podcast. And it does add a lot of, I mean, I know they're going to be great because they're great stories, but still, we got to sit down. We got to get our timing right. Mm. There's people knocking at the door. You know, it's wrestling, live TV. Things could come up. They might need you. So there really is a lot to it other than just what you guys are hearing, just putting it all together. Because, yes, I have a producer, but 90% of it is just me hustling. Yeah. Yeah. It's We're hustling. God, I love the hustle, though. I love it so much. Um, How many have you done at 2 a.m. when you were supposed to do it at at 9 p.m., but you knew you'd need an episode for that week, right? Right. I mean, I've always been pretty cognizant of though, because I remember Steve telling me, like, man, I got no show for this week. I got to sit down with my wife. And I'm like, I don't ever want to be in that position. Right. So I banked them. Yeah. And I also do it, okay, like, this one is evergreen. Like, I got one, like, for example, uh, Jake, Jake the Snake in AAA. He wanted to do one. So I got that. I can put it up whenever I want. Yeah. Uh, where are you talking about, like, uh, for example, if it's uh, the Bob Eaton, obviously I want to put that up closer sooner than later because he just passed away. Mm-hmm. So if I have some in the bank, it takes a lot of that pressure away. But you still got to keep putting them in the yeah. bank. Yeah. But I, mine were always evergreen. Which okay, is, so well, how many would you have, would you bank? Anywhere from like three to eight. Gotcha. Okay. Is kind of, yeah. and it, it brings back such like, Romantic memories of <laughs> looking at my iTunes and knowing I labeled them. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I know no, nothing for anybody else, but I never that was I never wanted to do it with other people outside of wrestling. I really very early on I did one with Necro Butcher about the wrestler, and I kind of reg- regretted not just doing a regular Necro Butcher episode. Yeah, just to hear his story. Yeah, him, so. and I've heard he's not a big podcaster, so to get him was good well this was i mean 2010 i think this is my my 10th episode right um I, yeah i promised him a case of beer i bought him a case <laughs> of beer. but yeah so like I, I realized like oh i just want these evergreen episodes i just want kind of like to tell the story mm-hmm. but i i you know i'm not saying good or bad i'm saying i, no, I didn't i got you yeah, yeah yeah i didn't want like, the, but for me like i said because there's so much uh, turnover if there's something that comes up, then I'll jump on it. Mm-hmm. You know, like who can I talk to? Once again, I just did. Okay, Arn, obviously best friends with Bobby. Tony called all of his matches. They're both here. I know it's a Friday. We've got Rampage tonight. Arn's not working. Tony's not working. Yeah. Chris has an hour of commentary. It's going to be a better day to do it. Yeah. If I had a match, it's not a good day to do right. podcasts because it's a different vibe, right? Yeah. And people want it. That I, that I get. People, it's such good content and such good, and people need to hear this stuff. Yeah. And you know, sometimes. I don't want to swing it to to my show, but like, no, please. 
Well, I, I was going to say- I want to talk about your new show. Yeah. Because that was like Art of Wrestling is on a slowdown, but you've got another passion yeah. show that's going and, on. But now. it's like, we have these platforms for people to hear these stories. So like Arn or whatever, I guess he wouldn't do any other podcast, you know, but yeah. sometimes they would tell these stories on a place that might not be able to be signal boost that they wouldn't hear them. Well, what's your new show called? Wrestling Anonymous. Wrestling Anonymous. So what's yeah. the concept of Wrestling and it's, Anonymous? It's the fans calling in stories into a voice, a Google voice, or sending it me a, a memo. And it's a hotline show and I'm kind of like, we hear their stories and then I kind of talk about them a little bit. And I, I thought it was going to be so much easier. <laughs> you got to edit. I'm so, I'm such an idiot. Cause you don't have a producer, right? I do it all do myself, it yourself. but it's all based on the hustle too. It's just like, why would I pay somebody? I, I can do it. I have the time and I do, but when you have the time and you say that for, and you have 17 projects, you just split yourself Time so goes much. Away. Yeah. So, uh, so that's actually a great idea. So, would you have a, you have like a phone number set up that people yeah. can call? Yeah, and they'll leave a message. Yes, talking and, talking about how wrestling influenced them. Or well, I kind of have an idea of how I want the show to go. I like funny, obviously. So I love just weird. I mean, we've heard these stories. Uh, and and I don't know how, if this has to be true with you because for years wrestling fans were like, "Can I be on the Art of Wrestling?" Right? I'm sure that I would. When are you going to have a fan on the Art of Wrestling? I hear it so much, and like I don't know if they have a 60 minute story to tell, yeah. but they got a two minute story of a weird interaction with Jake the Snake and Triple A <laughs> when you know when he whatever got drunk and threw a snake on somebody or something. You know they <laughs> yeah. they're out there, man. Yeah. They're out there. So I so. I edit them out. I take out the uhs and the ums. And, you know, I do, if there's like a weird opinion in the middle, sometimes I'll kind of cut it out and I just kind of get to the the meat of it, which I think I've heard from people being like, I wasn't sure about the concept of this, but listening to it's really fun because again, I know what I would want to listen to as a fan. So that's kind of what I'm putting mm -hmm. into it. Uh, so there's, I, I like the fun. I like the weird. I like the obscure. I like the bizarre. I love the, the old timers, I love my era because we were all romantic for what we grew up on. So right. when someone calls in a story about Tito Santana or you know or, or something like, to me it hits it hits my heart. Some fans will call and be like, I got this crazy story about the Young Bucks, and it's like yeah, I see them every day. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so but then there's also stories that like I love emotional stories. Uh, it's just I, it's about storytelling, and and it's hard to ask the fans to be storytellers. But mm -hmm. some of them are great, and some of them maybe aren't the best storytellers. But the story they do have to tell is so wonderful. On a recent episode, it was episode eleven. The security guard, um, it's, it, it kind of hit on on the internet a little bit. The security guard was talking about uh, he got called for somebody who was sitting on a ledge, and they were going to take their life. It was mm. a five story building. And he was the first one there. So he went up there and he started talking to him. The cops came, but the cops didn't interact because he was sitting on the ledge. And he noticed that the fan had a Bullet Club t-shirt on. And he was like, dude, Omega Nokata's in two days. And the guy's like, yeah, I really, I was, I was kind of wanting to see that. And then the guy gave him a too sweet. And the, the guy sitting on the ledge gave him a too sweet. And then he grabbed his wrist and pulled him off. And then he said, like, this kid hugged me for saving his life. It's just like. That's, yeah, that's heavy. Heavy. And that story doesn't get played anywhere else like maybe a facebook post and maybe it hits but like but not on a platform like yours yeah so. like we we have i have the opportunity to get this story out it's so important and again when i talk about like you and bruno san martino you know being able to listen to this in 30 years you know uh eating a plate of pasta mm -hmm. 
I think as I'm making it, I'm thinking about 30 years from now of these wonderful stories that will have a home, um, that will have a place forever. And yeah, it's, I mean, it, it is out of love and I, I love wrestling and we, I think about, God, and I'd imagine how many different conversations you've had with yourself about why we love wrestling and what we love about wrestling. Cause boy, it's changed over mm-hmm. the years, you know, but I do know that I love just the generalness of wrestling you know, and I love nostalgia about wrestling, and I just love feel-good stuff about wrestling. And so this kind of hits all of it. All right, last few questions about some of your favorite guests at Episodes Colt, and we'll hit all of those. But first, I want to mention one of my favorite and longest talk is Jericho sponsors, and one of my most frequent and favorite talk is Jericho guests. Talking about Diamond Dallas Page. You know Dallas and his DDPY program have done so much for me and my wrestling career, my Fozzie career. I'm not sure I'd be at AEW if not for DDP Yoga. If you saw me uh, get the crap kicked out of me by Junior Dos Santos and the, uh, the entire American top team last Friday on Rampage, you'll know that if it wasn't for DDP Yoga, I might not be able to rebound, but I am. Uh, same thing with Fozzie, climbing uh, scaffolding and barricades and all that stuff is because of DDP yoga and how it makes me feel physically. DDPY saved my back and saved me from surgery. That's a true story. It's the reason why I'm still at the top of my game doing all the things that I'm doing. DDPY can do the same for you. DDP yoga will keep you loose and limber, help your cardio, easy on the joints, good for any age and any skill level. And you don't have to be an athlete to do the DDPY program. Just download the app onto your phone and get going. Available on iOS and Android. And to make it even easier for you, Dallas has given everyone free access to the DDPY app for seven days. And then he's one-upping that with 20% off a DDPY subscription. Just sign up at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Take advantage of the offer. DDPY is a great program. You go at your own pace. Hundreds of workouts to choose from. You can even get some motivation from DDP himself. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Sign up for seven days of free access to the DDPY app and take advantage of 20% off the DDPY app. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Watch the inspiring story as well about how Dallas created the DDPY program in the new documentary, Relentless, available now on Amazon Prime. Get in the best physical and mental shape of your life. Check out ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Go check it out now. I've had my dad on probably three or four times now, and every time I see him, Especially after this last year. I mean, your parents are only here for so long. My dad played in the NHL for mm-hmm. 10 years, and he's got so many great stories. And I like having these because he's a great guest. He's a, he's a broadcaster, too. But I'll always have them, mm-hmm. and my children will have them. Mm-hmm. Conversely, I also have my kids when they were little kids. Uh, they used to call Ash the Fish Expert because he was obsessed with fish, and we'd talk about fish. And I had my daughters talking about the books. I can go back and listen to them when they were seven, eight years old. So like you said, a podcast lasts forever. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool that you're doing your version of this because, once again, the, the wrestling, we started wrestling because we loved it mm-hmm. and, and and watching wrestling because it just took you to a different place and it's a fun thing. And when you get in the business, sometimes it's work, but the basic crux of it is it's just supposed to be a good time. And it's cool that, that you're getting people on there to tell you why they're so influenced and why they love wrestling. Mm-hmm. And your I don't know if you. This is what you were hitting on, but your your kids have this to listen to you. Great point. Eight years Great of point. whatever it is. I've thought about it, and I because I have the equipment, and I I don't know why I don't. I mean, my parents are. My mother was a teacher. My father was a clothing salesman. You know, mm-hmm. like. But I for years I've been like I should be sitting them down and just documenting them and just like doing a podcast 
only for me. I'm sure you could have a great one, though. Of like Bolt's parents tell the story. I don't even. Yes. You know, I'm, I would yes. listen to that. Like, <laughs> like when you're a kid. Like, right. I jumped through the damn ceiling with oh, this. And when Rock and Randy Ricci kept me out to three in the morning <laughs> doing, doing, um, doing ring work, and then my mom called the police because you know I was 18 and. <laughs> She didn't know where I was. She was fighting for my life. Yes, those. You had me there. at Rock and Rang. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so, is there is there a hotline number that people can call? Oh yeah, stories? Uh, eighty-seven Cabana thirty-four. Uh, you call that up, or the email is eighty-seven Cabana thirty-four at gmail.com. and you can uh, email a voice. And how memo. are you getting this out there? Just on your own social media? Yeah. Because you must have a lot of response if you're getting eleven shows or however many shows you have already. Yeah, it's it. You know, it feeds itself because it'll only go as long as they call in, Yeah, which is a hard thing to do. And I was a little worried about. So at first I put something out like, hey, I'm doing a and no, I have a Patreon, too. So at first I was like, I'm doing a thing I'm going to put together for my Patreon. I'd like it to be a long term thing. But if not, this is a Patreon thing. Right. Um, and then people called in and I enjoyed the editing process and I enjoyed kind of listening. I enjoyed listening to the stories. And it's great with AEW because I have a, a routine now. I as I fly to the show. That's when I edit. I listen and edit oh, to the calls. You can do that on the plane. Wonderful! It's so good. Technology. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to edit, dude. I used to edit my, you know, on the Noah and the New Japan bus. That's when I would edit my podcast. It's just, and it's to think like, at one time Stan Hansen was getting so drunk on a on a New Japan <laughs> bus. We we watched Full Metal Jacket probably eight times a tour of New Japan. I could have been editing podcasts. Could have been editing podcasts. We've yeah. seen it already. <laughs> Chono loves it. He wants to watch it again. It's I, sometimes I I feel yeah there's some sense of pride that yeah. like I was touring the world but also doing my little weird projects yeah. at the same time kind of doing it all yeah um you did my cruise a couple of years ago which was great and you had just this hilarious uh, I don't even remember what you were calling it what was it called I think it was unprofessional wrestling at the time where me and Marty DeRosa would watch bad wrestling and we would do kind of jokes over it was like it. mystery science theater but for bad wrestling yeah and this is a show that i've done with marty in america all over america it's also a show i, I did not the last two years because of uh, covid but um i did at the edinburgh fringe festival for seven straight years wow. uh with um a guy named brendan burns and now john hastings and one of my favorite things to do it was i i, I always go and try and see a little bit of everybody's show because i'm so busy but i came in the one place and you guys had the little weird looking Japanese uh, little person in the Tokyo Dome six man match or something <laughs> and I was laughing I was like Chris you gotta go next time I was like I wanna see more of this yeah. so I might have to have you do that again on the cruise next time but um, just a great idea what was the worst match that you ever saw where you were doing that again I did an Edinburgh Fringe Festival because Brendan Burns wanted a late night show and he had won like the whole Edinburgh Fringe Festival a couple years before so he had a good following and I had done a live podcast in London with him and we had connected somehow. And he's like, would you like to come to this Fringe Festival? And I had been such a comedy fan and I'd heard on podcasts for years of people doing this festival. I was like, yes, I have to do this festival. And it's 30 straight days. Wow. It's 30 straight shows. So you do the show wow. every single night, 30 straight nights. Mm. But I would do the show at midnight or 11 o'clock and I would just watch comedy all day long. Yeah. And I would get inspired. I loved it so much. And I'm you know, a little sad that it's taken a break. I hope to be back next year. Mm. So at first we just kind of went in blind and now over the years I've refined it. I know how to do it. You kind of got to cut the matches. It can't be long matches, but at beginning there was a beautiful, well, in my mind, it was like the, the fans would love this one. Zeus versus Abdullah, the butcher from Puerto Rico. <laughs> have you ever seen that? I have not. Oh God. <laughs> and I'm thinking like the two worst wrestlers. This is, and it's just, they're just punching and kicking for nine minutes. They're giving you nothing. Nothing. There's nothing to play off. And like you said, 
years later, you learn, oh, little people in a Tokyo Dome, one's dressed like a robot, you know, one's dressed like Muda. There's there's a ref getting involved. There's just so much you could work with. Yeah. And at this point, not necessarily. <laughs> and then there's another one with, it's this Indian dude in Japan. I think it's, I want to say Baba versus like this seven foot three Indian guy. Oh, Another one that's Rotten. just, oh, I mean, they both can't move. <laughs> well, it's just it's just wild. So I've learned over the years what the better clips are, and it's a very refined show, and, uh, and I really enjoy doing it. It's just the mixture. Again, I love the mixture of, you know, my heart is wrestling. So, like, you know, I remember when I started taking improv classes, I started doing stand-up, and people were like, oh, you're going to move away. It's just like, no, like, I'm looking to mix all these worlds together. Mm-hmm. I love comedy, but I love wrestling. So, like, let's... You know, and I think that's my niche that I've made, you know, is this mixture of whatever it is. But, like, I don't try to shy away from wrestling. Mm-hmm. I, I I love it. Last question for you. Who is, uh, and it might be hard to pick one, some of your favorite podcast guests that you've had and then your worst guest? <laughs> and <laughs> if you don't want to give a name, I'll give you my worst guest. <laughs> okay. Um, well, yeah. I, God, I'm... I, yeah, I don't. I don't. I had some bad ones, but I, I, I just. The, I, my worst one was Mike Tyson because he wouldn't talk, uh, and I was like, Mike, you understand that you agreed to be in a podcast, and I thought like <laughs> he has a podcast. I now. know, and I say like, we've had we've had enough experiences where I, I, you know, we'll get through this pretty quick, and finally he just stopped talking. And I was like, I got to fill thirty minutes. I'm gonna just tell Mike Tyson stories now. That's what, I, that's what I had to do. Because I need 50 minutes or 45 minutes, and he just was giving me nothing. That's wild. Yeah, I, th- I think he might have been in a little bit of an altered state. That's so funny <laughs> that he has a podcast now. I know, I know. Oh, my God. I just want to go on his show next time and just sit there and not say anything. <laughs> right, but he's got a guy. Yeah, to, yeah, help. Yeah, to, yeah. to, to, to help him with that. Yeah, that but, just reminds me of, like, I remember Piper started a podcast, but he had that Steve Simone, I think. And then he had like, uh, Earl. He had an Earl. Yeah. Brother, yeah. yeah, he's a You're right, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I, the guy's... It's so funny because some I'm not going to name the names, but, the, pe- but the people that who weren't the best ones were people that were very outgoing as wrestlers and in the ring, and it was just like it. They didn't know how to translate it yes. to talking. It was so wild to me that that would happen. Yeah. Um. I mean that I did a two parter with Piper in Indianapolis, and he was so sweet. And then I realized I brought up the half painting of his face with bad, bad news. news. Yeah. And as I was saying it, like, I didn't, that's how, I guess, ignorant I was. Like, I didn't even realize the racial undertones and that that was like a hard, you know, like a hard hitting. Like, I was just so curious. Right. Because it's my childhood. But then you realize in 2013 or 14. Right. It might not be something that he wants to talk about. And yeah. And he did. And then like, you know, he's like, you know, like, you got to ask these questions. I was like, wait, what? I'm just. That's a WrestleMania. I remember from my memory. Yeah, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to talk about it, and then, like, as I was doing, I was thinking. And now oh. you think. Now he's thinking. You're thinking. He's thinking. Oh, he just wants the, the controversy. Yeah, but he was so sweet, and he was willing. To I wish I had Roddy. I never had him. Oh, man. really? I never man. had him. He was so nice. Yeah. I had Johnny. I love British wrestling. I love it so much. I went to England in 2004 to do the Butlins camps and stuff, and I just somehow weirdly fell in love with the world of sports style of wrestling and. Johnny Saint came over to do a show, and I had, and I remember uh, he was doing Chikara, and Sarah Del Rey, who is now a trainer at WWE, she was like talking to Johnny Saint about my show, and she was like, "Hey, you should do a show," and he's like, "Yeah, sure." I was like, "What?" <laughs> right? Because I didn't want to ask him to do yeah. a pack, but he yeah. agreed to do it, and that was, you know, it's funny when we had our match last summer, 
Uh, I watched some of your matches just to get a little sense and a feel and get some ideas. And I said, oh, he's obviously a Johnny Saint fan. <laughs> I think I might have even asked you that because as soon as I was watching that, because it's very hard to replicate what Johnny Saint did because he's very much so smooth in the things he does. But some of the things he did, I'm like, oh, okay, he, he's been watching some I have Johnny a lot Saint. of British tints on me, yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I will say this uh, as, as we're finishing up, I know that is a lot of people ask me, like, who would you wish you would have on? And a year and a half ago or whatever, I was starting to do, like, seasons, so I do six at a time. And I have texts, Brody was like all about it. And I was like, I, I remember going him up to it at QT's gym and being like, hey, I know you just did Jericho's. Did you guys talk about like your kind of early stuff? He's like, no, actually, we talked about like the WWE stuff. And I was like, would you, would you want to come on? He's like, of course, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. And then he kept on putting it off and I'd be like, hey, you want to do it? He's like, ah, I'm sleeping. Let's do it next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if there's a lesson to be learned there, but he kept on saying, let's do it next week. And then obviously, you know, Brody passed, but yeah. and it's kind of like one of those things. It's like, you know, don't tell somebody you love them next week or whatever it is. Like, I don't want to mix that up, but like, no, no, you're totally right. Yeah, right, and right. so like that kind of always. Not that it makes me sad that I didn't have him on the show, but just I don't know. That's one I always wish I had, and it, it makes me a little upset that I don't know that I didn't push harder. Or I don't know. I don't know what the, my feelings are. I guess I haven't really processed them, but uh, well, I'm glad that we I had you on my show. Yeah, pioneers <laughs> of. Uh, of the podcasting game. And like I said, I want to have you uh, back on the cruise and do more of the uh, unprofessional wrestling. I actually want to sit and watch the whole show because it was hilarious. So I, I mean, I think everything's going in order. That's, I think I'll yeah. be there in October. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. I'd like to see you. We'll, we'll make it official. There. We're announcing right now, if you haven't heard already, Cole Caban will be on the Jericho hey, Cruise this year. All right. Hey. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Chris, I appreciate it.